just to look at breast cancers specifically, that is the second most common cancer with women in the United States coming only behind skin cancer. Uh, currently, the, the most recent statistics show that uh, we have a one in eight chance of developing uh, breast cancer at some point throughout our lifetime. My husband, who was a retired general surgeon who actually ran a breast cancer clinic for many years, never noticed anything wrong with my breast. The people that only know these strong details are generally the ones who've gone through it. And so the people who don't know these things, I'm very grateful for. Personal story, I have two benign lumps on each breast. I mean, they keep an eye on them. I have pretty dense breasts. I think, Kelly, you mentioned the same. Um, so I'm like, oh, well, I should be okay. But uh, it was pretty scary getting the results the first time. It's like, oh, boy. I was crying. I'm like, what's the results going to be? And they're, like I said, benign, but could turn into something later. So hearing your story certainly wants me to keep up on it even more so. Welcome to Dental Ailments Podcast. Today we have three very special guests. And if you may know that it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which makes this episode even more spectacular. Uh, you'll hear the stories from these three ladies, especially important subject for them to talk about. So we have Jill Meyer Leppert. She has started Side Effect Support, and she'll tell you more about that. We have Kelly Jakes, who is a hygienist or still a practicing hygienist, is not a practicing hygienist, but was, sorry, but she's on the speaking circuit. Fantastic speaker, if you can see, ever see or hear her. And then we have Athena Gorder, who is also in the dental field. She was, is a chairside assistant and has done other things in dentistry as well. So we'll start with Jill telling her story and also some interesting statistics about what we're talking about today. All right. Um, so just to, to introduce myself, um, my name is Jill Meyer Lippert and I am a dental hygienist in Wisconsin and I've been in dentistry for nearly 30 years years, my mom received a breast cancer diagnosis. So I saw up close and personal as a family caregiver, how badly that she suffered with side effects in her mouth. And I found it very frustrating because she um, approached her oncology team to ask what she could do to help relieve some of the discomfort of the dry mouth and the horrible mouth sores that she's experienced. And she was basically told nothing. There's just nothing you can do. It's part of treatments. You need to deal with it. I personally felt that she was very dismissed with it. And I very foolishly thought that um, now that I worked in the dental field, I was going to save the day and have all of these answers for her. And I found out that wasn't the case either, that not only my new colleagues, but um, when I was going to hygiene school then, uh, what we learned was really limited on that. And I, it really um, struck me that there was a, a need that wasn't being met. And I've, I had that very much confirmed with patients throughout the years, um, finding out that a lot of times people assume the only ones that have oral health problems or oral side effects are oral cancers, and that is definitely not the case. So just to look at breast cancers specifically, that is the second most common cancer with women in the United States coming only behind skin cancer. Uh, currently, the, the most recent statistics show that uh, we have a one in eight chance of developing uh, breast cancer at some point throughout our lifetime as women. And there are currently 3.8 million survivors of breast cancer in the United States. So the chances of you um, 
having somebody in your practice that you are dealing with um, probably you know weekly that has experienced a cancer breast cancer diagnosis at some point um, is high. So it's very important that we are aware um, of what some of the issues can be and how we can best help our patients. Okay, so Jill, so your story is amazing, and and it's uh, I say sometimes it's unfortunate for something unfortunate to happen for something good to come out of it. And your story tells us that, yes, you have this amazing program now for these patients, like you said, were just dismissed for dealing with dry mouth and other side effects from cancer treatments. Yes. So that really inspired me to develop an online resource. Um, When I struggled so, so many years to try to find the information I needed to help my patients. I really longed to have this kind of a one-stop resource that would gather some of this information and make it easy access, not only for the patients and their family caregivers, but also us as healthcare providers to help the dental providers and the medical providers to get more on the same page. So after years of going from a volunteer program to getting frustrated with how that was going and and being able to keep it going, I I developed what is called side effect support um, and it's sideeffectsupport.com and it's easy access for people, free information, hopefully just fill that need that that still exists quite a bit today. Now, Kelly, hearing Jill's story, I'm sure that resonates with you and as Athena as well. So Kelly, your story, if you could tell us uh, your side, does that sound pretty familiar to you, what Jill's talking about? I am. Yes, I, I understand what Jill is talking about. In my particular case, I did not have to have chemotherapy or radiation as part of my treatment. I didn't have the incredible oral health uh, changes that can happen, but I, you know, I did write a book called Martinis and Menopause, and it's about women as we age through the menopausal years, and there is a whole chapter in there about uh, the oral health changes that hormones themselves can cause, and it's much like Jill is referring. Uh, my story, uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in November of 2019, so not that long ago, and I was... Uh, shocked out of my head uh, because I live a very healthy life and have for years. I teach on self-care. I teach on uh, the value of exercise and nutrition and all that. Um, But one thing, you know, that's a takeaway is that cancer doesn't care who you are or what you have have or have not done. Cancer is evil. And so I do uh, appreciate every effort to raise awareness and to raise money for research. Okay, and I was a woman who had a, a mammogram every single year since about age 40, because I had always had dense breasts. And so I had a mammogram every year. Everything was fine. Um, a couple of times in the last 10 years, post-menopause, I had to have a couple of, you know, second looks like ultrasounds. Um, I did have a a biopsy on my right breast very near to the chest wall about four years ago, but everything benign, nothing, just the way my breasts uh, presented. And so then uh, November of 2019, um, I had my annual mammogram and uh, they called me back for three areas to do a needle guided biopsy ultrasound so i in the middle of speaking like <laughs> i had my mammogram i left for the week to speak i don't know where then I, I you know i come home and then i do the ultrasound and um all three of those areas came back as positive for cancer and my um, about 85 percent, jill you may know the statistics on this more but at 85 to 90 percent of women, um, Athena, you may know this too, who get breast cancer get what's called ductal. So the cancer is in the ducts, one of the ducts within the breast, and that's why you can feel a lump 
when it gets uh, full and grows. But I did not have ductal. I had something called lobular breast cancer. And therefore, there was never a lump. There was never uh, any abnormality I could feel in my breast. No surgeon ever felt an abnormality. My husband, who was a retired general surgeon who actually ran a breast cancer clinic for many years, never uh, noticed anything wrong with my breast. And so it was a shock. Uh, so I had uh, three, three tumors of lobular cancer and lobular cancer, instead of looking like a round lump, looks like a spider web in the breast. So I had three of them in my left breast. And they call the lobular cancer sneaky cancer because you can't see a lump, right? It, it, it sneaks by oftentimes. And so I'm very grateful I had a very astute uh, uh, person reading my mammogram because they caught it. And so anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, they said I should, with my type of cancer, I should have a uh, full mastectomy and being a, such a healthy person and viewing myself as very healthy, I said, no, I, I don't want that. I can't have that. Please, can I have a lumpectomy first? And if it shows something else, I promise for sure I will have the mastectomy. And um, so uh, we, I, he, they agreed I had a lumpectomy. During the lumpectomy, not only was there three, they found a fourth lobular tumor with its tendrils right next to my, behind my areola nipple area. So therefore, it was obvious uh, I had to have a full mastectomy because my breast was full of cancer. So uh, in the meantime, we did a lot of researching, of course. Um, with Jill and Athena, you know, when you get this kind of diagnosis, you are scrambling for information. You are looking everywhere. You are asking everyone, you, you know, and fortunately, as dental hygienists and dental professionals, we no, we must be our own medical advocate. So my husband and I, uh, through a dental hygienist, she DM'd me and she said, Kelly, you, you don't know this, but I had breast cancer 13 years ago and I went to this incredible hospital in New Orleans and you must check it out, at least check it out. Now I live in Oregon and I, we have wonderful health insurance here uh, in Oregon. And uh, we checked out this hospital and there's a specialty hospital in New Orleans. There's only 17 beds and all they do is treat women with breast cancer, uh, reconstruction, hard cases, maybe women who have had cancer years ago and their chest wall, you know, is decimated. So they are very much specialists um, for women like us. So we ended up, long story short, I ended up going to New Orleans uh, for a double mastectomy. And at the same time, I, this, this uh, hospital does a special program of, it's called DEEP, D-I-E-P. So they cut me open from hip to hip and took out four inches of my own adipose fat tissue and my blood vessels and did not touch my abdominal mus muscle, which that was my thing. I don't want you to touch my muscle. I don't want you to cut into my abdomen, abdominal muscle. And I surely do not want you to put an implant underneath my pectoralis muscle. And maybe you ladies have a different story. But for me, I'm like, I don't want that. I work out every day. I, I don't want anyone touching my muscles. That was my big fear. So uh, I went there and this specialist, after they did, they harvest my own tissue. And then um, after they've taken out all the breast tissue out of both breast they did skin sparing so kept this my own breast skin 
I kept my right nipple. I lost my left nipple due to cancer. And then they filled up those cavities with my own fat and hooked up the blood vessels into my chest wall. And for the first 24 hours, I had wires sticking out and they would come in every single hour and hook up this machine and you would hear the blood vessels going. Psh, 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 psh. So they knew the transplant was taking. So I literally had a transplant from my abdomen into my breast uh, skin. And so it was a nine hour surgery. It's very specialized, my first one. Uh, and so it, I came out of it uh, really great. And of course, the because I had no lymph node involvement, I did not have to have chemo or radiation, um, but I had to have every, every ounce of breast tissue removed out of my body. And there's more to the story, but I've been talking for a long time. Um, so maybe when next time we come back around, I'll tell you about my, I do have um, negative symptoms uh like joe was referring to just uh not in my oral cavity but i have a lot of negative symptoms i have to now manage and deal with uh hopefully only for five more years but we'll see so i'm cancer free hallelujah and um i had to do, do a second surgery last august in the covid <laughs> i had to go to new orleans again during covid uh because they had to do some restructuring and you know once it settled and and get everything uh it, symmetrical um and i don't have a left nipple yet but i can go back and they can try to make one <laughs> and i'll stop talking for now <laughs> no that's all right kelly no i'm i'm so intrigued by you telling your story and, and you've been on the show before but when you were talking about lumps i never thought about the spider-like cancer right so that was, you can't I see them you can't feel them yeah then, that was new to me so I was yeah like, oh you know, you assume, oh, I don't feel any lumps. I'm okay. But no, another reason. Yeah, that's why it's important that not only we do our own self-exam every month to see if we have lumps and changes, but also we get the annual mammogram because sometimes that's the only, you know, device that will would see it. Right. And, um, I wanted to say, hopefully we can put this in the show notes. I have a whole series on YouTube that I videoed my entire journey, pre-surgery, post-surgery, pulling out drains, uh, scars and all so uh we can put that show notes so people if they would want to uh and i did that because when i was looking for information that first month and a half i stumbled across a youtube channel of a woman who had done that same thing like and i watched it all and yeah. it's like i'm going to do that because if i can help one woman sharing my story then yes. that's what i want to do we'll get those in the show notes yeah and we can share them on our site too like right away because the sooner people see it the better right the more if we can save even one person Right. That, well, that's, that's so awesome. Amazing. You did that. Um, put your heart into that for sure. Now, Athena, is any so the stories you've heard, I'm sure you can relate to some of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that I did want to mention is that during uh, the statistics that were being said is that um, skin cancer is the number one cancer for women. And then number two is breast cancer. There is a huge correlation between the two. So once um, somebody has breast cancer, they have a 50% higher risk of developing skin cancer and vice versa. Hmm. So that's, that's a pretty big thing, really big thing. So it, yeah, anybody who's had skin cancer, they're more susceptible to getting breast cancer. Hmm. I think that's important for women to know and for men because men do develop breast cancer as well. So when did you go through treatments and get the diagnosis? So I actually hadn't had my mammogram until I was 47. And the reason being is that the care provider that I was going to said that my tissue was great. I never had any family history of 
breast cancer. And so she felt that doing it at the age of 50 was okay. And so I went with that for quite a few years. And something just started eating at me, just kept, you know, that is that intuition where you just know. And I switched physicians. And the day that I went and I saw my new physician, she's like, oh, no, 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 we're getting you in right away. So we went ahead, you know, didn't feel anything, everything seemed normal, but we went ahead with the mammogram. Um, the mammogram that I had, uh, the technician told me that it was more than like a, likely that I'd be called back for a second mammogram with the radiologist because they're establishing baseline, so not to be worried. So I get my call back from the radiologist and she says she'd like to bring me back, but she did see three areas that she was concerned about that were um, asymmetries were found in calcifications. So went ahead, got the mammogram. They didn't ultrasound and they came in immediately and said, we need to biopsy. And at that point, I'm sitting in the changing room going, do I call my husband at work? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it is. Yeah, we're just going to go. Just going to do it, you know. And so they were able to do one of the biopsies right then and there. And that was a needle biopsy through the ultrasound. And then they had to bring me back later on that day to do it. Um, it's an MRI biopsy. It's still a core biopsy, but you have to lay on a bed. It, it kind of reminds me of a, working on a car because you're laying in this bed on your stomach. Your breasts are in these two holes, kind of like when you get a massage, how your face goes through that. And But this bed rises up. And the doctor is working underneath like a car, but you hear these vacuums and these suctions and you have the MRI and everything going and, you know, they're numbing you up and there's so many, so many sounds that are happening. And you hear that almost echoing as everything else is running through your mind saying, what if, what if? Um, so we finished those up and she says that she was hoping to get the biopsies back between three and, you know, three and five days. But this was kind of just at the start of COVID. There was no mass mandates. There was no travel restrictions. It was just kind of starting to trickle, trickle in. So it was at um, the end of January of 2020. And I went ahead and just kept doing everything that I do. My daughter's 28th birthday. I took her to Vegas. She'd never been there. And I was expecting the call. And we're sitting in uh, Treasure Island and we're getting ready to walk across the street. And we're by that big boat that's there. And I get a call. So I said, honey, I got to go back in. And she's looking at me. And I point to one breast and I give her the thumbs up. I point to the other breast and I give her the thumbs down. And she turns around. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I go outside and her hand is cupping the breast of this boat and the mermaid that's out there. And she says, mom, I support you. <laughs> and we giggled and we laughed and we had an amazing trip. Um, we went back to the hotel and I made all my phone calls. I called my husband and I made all the phone calls, all the arrangements for my appointments and everything snowballed so quickly. It was um, faster than I, I could even remember. I, I met with my surgeon first. I met with my oncologist next. And then I met with my radiation oncologist. I had a nurse navigator. And at that point I was able to have family members with me. So I had my husband, my son and my sister to all of those three visits. And then all of a sudden it was all shut down at the time I had to do my surgery. And at that point, um, they were allowing two people in and they knew that before my surgery, that my tumor was approximately um, 1.3 centimeters. And they knew that it was hormone positive and HER2 positive, which means they call it triple positive. And 
what that means is that the HER2 positive is a protein that attaches to cancer cells and normal cells, and it makes it grow quicker. So my cancer was a very fast growing aggressive cancer. So when I had the surgery, my um, tumor ended up being 2.4 centimeters, and there was only three weeks in between that time that it had grown that much more. Um, so I was staged at a 1A prior to surgery, and then I was staged at 2, stage 2, after surgery. Um, grade 3, which is the highest, most aggressive grade that they give a tumor, I was really fortunate that I did not have any lymph nodes that were involved. So when the tumor was removed, the margins were ever clear, meaning no cancer was outside of the surgical site. But because it was very aggressive and because it was HER2 positive, I had to undergo chemo and more than likely radiation. If I was to do a mastectomy, it was maybe radiation, maybe not. It just wasn't. We didn't know until after this, all the surgery would happen if I did the full mastectomy. Um, with a lumpectomy, I had to have radiation no matter what. And, you know, radiation, I think for all of us being involved in dental and, you know, going to school and understanding radiation, there is many latent effects to radiation. And I've been out for over a year and I'm just starting to feel new symptoms coming on from that. Um, I was more frightened to do the radiation than I was to do the chemotherapy. And I think it's because we talk more about chemotherapy and the side effects than what people go. And we see that more on TV, I think. With radiation, I don't think we talk nearly enough about what that does to our bodies because it is, it's very hard on our bodies. So those are the things that I went through. And I decided to do a lumpectomy. And because I didn't know if I was going to have radiation or not. So I figured, you know what, let's just do the lumpectomy. Let's, let's see what we can do from there. And so I went through um, six rounds of chemo, three weeks apart. Um, I, I explained that to people being, if you've ever um, had the flu where your body aches and you're nauseous and you have GI problems, you've ever had the worst hangover in your life <laughs> and put those both together and times it by about 100 it is very hard. Um, the radiation, I did 21 rounds, uh, five of those being boosts, which are um, extra concentrated um, radiation. You know, it's targeted just to the area itself. And those are every single day. That's five days a week. And you think you get tired just from going to the doctor alone. You get really tired and your skin burns. And you become blistered. And, you know, it's just like it is the gift that keeps giving. It really is. And, you know, it's no gift I'd ever want to wish on anybody. And I think us ladies who have had breast cancer or had breast cancer, we know so much about it. And some ladies do get a little bit upset when, when people come up to them and they state facts that aren't correct or they say things that are maybe hurtful. But I actually think it's good when I hear that from people because the people that only know these strong details are generally the ones who've gone through it. And so the people who don't know these things, I'm very grateful for because they haven't had to go through it. And this is what October is about. It's about awareness and letting people know that this is out there. Let's protect ourselves. And I, I want to see research and everything going towards metastatic breast cancer and a cure for sure.
So that's I'm I'm yeah I'm also I was going to say with hormone blockers too. Um, since I'm hormone positive, I have to take hormone blockers, which I still produce estrogen estrogen in my body, but it inhibits it from entering the breast tissue. I have to be on that for five to ten years, and it actually puts you into a chemical induced menopause. But they take my blood and check my hormones, and I'm not in menopause, but I'm still getting all the hot hot flashes and the fatigue and everything else that goes with that. And so, you know, the, that book, I'm really interested into reading that book because uh, there there is definitely, I think, uh, a lot of information in there that can also help let talk, you know make us feel validated and even gather more information about knowing what it's like to go on this inactive chemo that's also a hormone blocker too. It fo- it also focuses on, um, it pushes the estrogen to the uterus, to the cervix, and to the ovaries. So now I am also at higher risk for those cancers too. So again, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> well, thanks for telling your story, Athena. Yeah. It's, uh, I have a friend who went through treatments as well, gosh, probably about seven years ago. And you're talking about hormone therapy. It sounds really familiar. Um, yeah. She found hers pretty late as well. She had a golf ball size lump. She had a mastectomy mesect- as well. And so Jill, listening to Athena and Kelly's stories and the side effects and what kind of products do you offer with your program? Uh, well, there are a few um, qualities, I guess, that really made me focus in on certain things. Uh, obviously, the dry mouth is such a common complaint, not only, you know, with the chemo, but the hormone therapies, you know, just the whole process. And a lot of times there can be other medications that go along with it. There's sometimes um, steroids that go along with chemo. There are sometimes antidepressants, the pain medications. All of these things can have dry mouth as a side effect. And the more that you take, it just compounds it, uh, the issue. There's also the risks of oral mucositis. And um, as Kelly mentioned, like the burning mouth syndrome and, and some of those types of things that having products that are free of irritating detergents like sodium lauryl sulfate, no alcohol, no whitening, triclosan, all of those types of um, ingredients that may not only help to encourage dryness of the tissue, but actually irritate tender tissue and start that inflammatory process that makes them more susceptible to developing the oral mucositis. Um, also just, you know, something really simple like an extra soft compact head toothbrush, allowing people to have the best access for plaque removal while preventing tissue trauma. And something that I really tried to focus on too is um, affordability. I, I think having not only my mom had cancer, my dad passed away from cancer, um, having that in your family, I think makes you very um, aware of the, they actually call it financial toxicity because um, a cancer diagnosis can be absolutely devastating to a family. So having those resources that um, are gentle, are uh, effective, and, and that's the one thing with, you know, like dry mouth, there's no one size fits all. So I think they have to have options, things that they can try to say that at this point in my treatment, yep, this works great for me. But now, you know, a little late, you know, a little ways down the line, my body chemistry's changed. My medications have changed. Now that product doesn't necessarily work as well for me. What else can I try? And it's kind of a back and forth and a, a trial and error, trying to figure out what is best for that person at that particular time. So 
And then also I, I just added um, teledentistry services to my site. So now if, if somebody does not have a dental home uh, to have a, a concern checked out, or perhaps they're in the middle of treatments and it's not safe for them to actually be seen um, in person because of blood counts being so low, they want a second opinion, you know, anything like that, they can actually uh, access a virtual dental consultation 24 7 uh, 365 days a year at a very affordable price um, and i added a partner's marketplace that'll help to and that's very new but it's going to help offer different products and services that i can't personally offer but i want people to know that there are other options out there so kelly what so talk about your books i and just your, in the youtube oh, okay well um Right. To Athena's point about putting her back in menopause, even though, you know, there's no test, right, to say you are, but you definitely are because all menopause is, is the changing hormones. And that's why we get all these symptoms of the hot flashes and the depression and the lethargy and all of that. And it's interesting to me because I wrote my book, Martinis and Menopause, after I'd been through my first natural menopause, like every woman who doesn't have surgery or cancer to the uterus or ovaries goes through. And I now talk about I'm in my third menopause. And that's uh, one of my speaking points, because prior to my diagnosis, I was on a very low dose of hormone replacement therapy. I um, have an I like I like what hormone replacement therapy did for me, for my clearing of my brain, for my energy levels. And so I had that, that November day when I was diagnosed, I had to stop hormone replacement therapy immediately because uh, Athena, my breast cancer also was estrogen and progesterone positive. And so I was thrown right into menopause like the next week because my body was trying to shift with no hormone on board that I'd been on board, right? Uh, any woman who, who has even had birth control, that's it's the same type of thing. You don't just come off it. Like you have to wean because your body is changing. So that was my second hormone. Then they put me on a medication that helped me because I was hot flashing like crazy all through November and December and my lumpectomy surgery, I was, I was just, it was a mess. So they got me on a medication for that and we got the, that under control. Then I had my surgery, my big double mastectomy in February. And like you, Athena, I am on the long-term anti-estrogen uh, medication. It's a little yellow pill. I take it every morning. I have a love-hate relationship with the little yellow pill because yes, it, it dampens any estrogen my body would try to make. Um, but what, I think is also not talked about enough in our culture, which is why I talk about the menopausal woman, is because estrogens in particular, they keep us young. They keep our bones strong. They keep our brain firing, every neuron firing. They have, we have estrogen receptors in our every tissue in our body, including our gingiva, which is why we get the oral health symptoms as a cancer survivor or as a menopausal woman because we have no estrogen to fill the receptors like a lock and key in, in the gingiva. So uh, it's very scientific, real why we have these symptoms. But um, so for me, <laughs> having to take this anti-estrogen, I said hopefully only three and a half more years because I've been out of the year and a half, but Athena, I may have to go more than five. They'll, you know, they always reassess at the time, but I hope for only five. So things that no one talks about, and and I'm sure you can relate, Athena, um, I have joint aches and pain. I have never in my life had joint pain. 
when I get out of bed in the morning, I feel like I am 95 years old and my feet literally creak and my heels ache when I first start walking in the morning. Um, I suffer from neuropathy, which as tingling in my hands, like burning, wakes me up in the middle of the night, my hands on fire. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, what else? <laughs> you know, oh, everything's dry. The eyes, the skin, the vagina. You're a hot mess. <laughs> because you have no estrogens to help you do anything. Um, and a woman who undergoes breast cancer immediately is at a higher risk for osteoporosis and weak bones because the estrogen is leached out of our bones. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of good news, you know? So I, <laughs> that's why I try to um, just be real about it. And I try to laugh and um, realize, you know, I'm alive. I'm alive. Athena, what you mentioned about your daughter, my kids are also grown, of course, uh, when I, they were in their uh, late twenties, early thirties when I was diagnosed. And I think also we forget, Jill, you know this, how it affects your family. They're so afraid, you know, they're so afraid they're going to lose you. And um, it's, you know, it's good that we can all sit here and talk as survivors, right? But um, it is a very much a shared experience that we don't talk about much in our culture and in our society. And uh, anyway, that's what I wanted to share. I also am on antiestrogens and it is a lifelong then management of those symptoms that come from the medication that is keeping you cancer free. So I, I take one little yellow pill and then I take about 1200 supplements a day <laughs> to try to counteract um, the negatives from the medication. That's it. <laughs> so Athena, do you want to, do you want to share some more about your, your journey and what sure, you're up to, sure. what you're up to these days? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm, I'm, the medication that I take for my hormones is probably a little bit different. I'm going to guess um, she's maybe taking an, an AI, if I'm guessing. Um, I'm on tamoxifen. So tamoxifen is made for premenopausal and postmenopausal women. And luckily, tamoxifen actually helps to um, increase the calcium in the bones. So it helps to decrease osteoporosis. Until I reach what they think is menopause, and then I have to go on the other pill. So hopefully my bones are nice and strong before I go there. Um, it's definitely a brand new life. Oh, okay, I see what you're on there, Kelly. <laughs> so yeah, it is. She she is just sent. She says it's an IA, um, which is an inhibitor. It still acts the same as you know getting the estrogen out of the body, but it acts on a different level. But as a breast cancer survivors. You know, even though I went through chemo and radiation and Kelly didn't, we are all still learning how to live a new life. Um, I completely relate with Kelly when she says waking up and feeling like a 95 year old woman um, heals hurt. You know, I get muscle cramps in the weirdest places, like in my forearms, sometimes on the side of my foot. Um, but the joints that I've never had problems before, I get joint aches in my elbows and my knees and my hips, uh, you name it. And then the fatigue itself, trying to fight that, you know, you exercise every day to make sure that you're staying, you know, healthy and trying to keep your heart healthy with it. And, you know, it's, it is a struggle because I am not the same person I was before cancer. And it's not just the emotional drain, it's the physical drain and everything that it, it did to your body, how it 
takes so much from you. And it does take so much from your family too. Um, my son also is an older one. He is 22 now, but he was 20 when I was diagnosed and he decided to quit work and stay home and take care of me. So my husband didn't have to take off as much time. He drove me to every single one of my appointments. He slept on the couch because he refused to sleep in his bedroom. He was too far away from me in case I needed him. And on his 21st birthday, he didn't do anything. He stayed home because COVID was so rampant. And, you know, at that point, he, but he does tell me now, he goes, mom, I gave you a year of my life. You're on your own. <laughs> so it, it is very, very hard on the family. And my relationship with my mom actually um, drifted away a little bit because she was so afraid that anytime she talked to me, that something else was going to be wrong or it was getting worse. And so it was her way of protecting herself. And I let her be, and it was hurtful at times, but I let her be because I knew that that was how she needed to cope with it. And she's coming around a lot more uh, with it and, you know, saying, I'm so sorry, honey, but it's okay. It's okay. My relationship with my father has actually gotten better because he was on the opposite side where it's like, I need to be around you. I need to see you. So there's good, good things that come out of it. And I just like to really try to focus on those good things. Um, one of the things that I really tried to do to help my family, to help my friends is I did create a Facebook page and it's called Athena's Breast Cancer Journey. And it chronicles from the very time of diagnosis, when my first announcement, all the way up to even now with some of the uh, effects that I'm having and, and still seeing doctors and physical therapists and, you know, medications and everything that I go through, because I do find, feel it, it is so important that people know, I don't want them to feel sorry for me. I want them to know what this is about. And I want them to have it on their mind to be able to talk to their loved ones, tell their loved ones and, be able to have that awareness the whole time. Um, my aunt came forward to me and she says, you know what, I haven't spoken to you in 20 years. We've just played on Facebook together. And I, she came out and we visited. And she says, you have opened my eyes. I've had many friends that have gone through cancers of every kind. And I never knew what they were going through. And I still don't, but I have a better idea. And one of the things that I do want to tell you is that I know many people want to know what do you say to somebody who has cancer? Don't say you're sorry because we're sorry too. Get mad with them and say, you know what? Cancer sucks. That's so crappy. Oh my gosh, you have cancer. It's horrible. And you know what? That anger actually helps to get the emotion out and get that validation that we need from people that care about us. Well, you you three are certainly extraordinary women telling your stories and helping out people who have gone through treatments. I'm honored that you're on the show today. Also, that reminds me again, and I have to go get a mammogram. I just got the letter, so maybe it's good timing, that a reminder to get my mammogram. To see the video footage of the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Dental Elements, A-L-E-M-E-N-T-S podcast. To share your story, hit us up on our website at rootyouon.com. Our O-O-T-U-O-N dot com.